Have you guys been having a good time at this retreat? Yes. Amen. If God has been good, say, God is good. Man, God has been so good to us. Um, man, I can't believe this is the last session of the retreat. It's been a short time, but it's been a wonderful time with you guys. I'm, I'm really going to miss you guys. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I really believe that like, that, like that film that we just watched, God's just going to really unleash you guys, release you guys so that you guys go out there wherever, um, you're, you're, whether it's your, it's your remaining time in Korea or back to the States or wherever you come from, where God's going to use you guys so powerfully. Um, myself, you know, I hope we can stay in touch. You know, um, if you guys have Instagram, you guys feel free to, you know, um, Add me or follow me, Obsessed for C, O-B-S, the word obsessed, number four, letter C. That's the same. That was my AOL screen name in high school that I've kept up t- until now. Um, obsessed for C, or you, feel free to follow me on Facebook, but love to keep in touch. But, uh, man, it's just been a blessing to join you guys during this weekend. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, and yeah, we still have one more session to go, and I believe God has saved the best for last. If you believe that, say Amen. Amen. So earlier this morning and, you know, just even this afternoon, I just feel like one thing God is doing in our in, in this retreat and in our hearts is, you know, I feel like he's just really he's he's opening and he's unpacking our minds so that we can understand him better, know who he really is and know who we are in him. And so even this morning, as I was preaching a message that's it was meant to be practical in overcoming hidden sexual sin. You know, I really made it a point before I even began sharing the practical things, sharing the steps that we need to take to overcome, become victors in Christ, about how we need to approach it through the gospel, knowing that the victory has already been won for us, knowing that we go about it knowing God's pleasure instead of God's pressure. You guys remember that? It's about God's pleasure. And... Um, and I think I just think it's it's awesome what God is doing in regards to just freeing us in regards to who how we see God. And I heard this afternoon you guys had an amazing seminar with Pastor Myunga, you know, in regards to you know God as a father and understanding his heart and you guys are breaking up into small groups and just you know and, and just and just talking about the parallels and and how you know one relationship with God uh, with our, our with our human our, our earthly fathers impacts our understanding of God as a father and you know, I just think one thing that God is doing is just, he's just, um, he's shifting our understanding of him and his heart so that we know who, we know who he is for who he really is, as opposed to what we thought he was. That, am I making sense? Yeah. And so, further on that note, man, tonight, originally, before I even came here, I already had a set plan of messages I wanted to preach, and tonight I actually wanted to preach on the importance of the Word of God. I really did. And maybe I'll, I will get around to that towards the end of my message, but more important, I'm beginning to realize, and I'm beginning to sense and discern where the Spirit of the Lord is leading us in this retreat, is that I think the one thing that God is trying to set us free from is a true sense of identity of who we are in Him, before anything that we can do for Him. You know? Like, what is our motivation for freedom. What is the motivation for reading the Word of God? Let's say, for example, you know, if we do it out of religion, if we do it out of performance, if we do it out of striving, we're going to get tired. But if we do it out of romance, out of relationship, we'll never be able to get rid of it. You see, in religion, our identity is one of a practitioner, but in romance, our identity is one of being loved. 
and being a lover. And tonight, I want to speak on identity. And I want to speak on identity with a certain angle that we see in the scriptures. But first off, let me just say identity is so, so important. It's so important. What we believe about ourselves and who we are affects everything in our lives. Identity affects our thoughts. Identity affects our actions. Identity affects our habits. Identity affects our character. Identity affects our destiny. When you add all those things together, they lead to destiny. For example, if you feel like you are worthless, your thoughts will reflect that. If you feel that no one likes you, your actions will reflect that. If you feel that God hates you, your habits will begin to show that. If you feel that you are unworthy of the Father's love, it's going to manifest in your character. If you feel that you're just a victim, it's going to shipwreck your destiny. That's why it's so important, you guys, that we understand who we truly are in our identity. Can I get an amen? So in regards to our identity, I know we've talked about relating to God as, as his children and seeing God as our father, and that's so important. But tonight, I want to talk about one other way of relating with God that we find in the scriptures that's so biblical and I believe will help us experience the love of God on a deeper level, will enable us, empower us to draw near to him and fall deeper in love with him. And it's relating to God as the bridegroom God. That God is the bridegroom. And relating to ourselves as being his bride. Everyone say bride. We call this the bridal paradigm. Everyone say bridal paradigm. You know, the bridal perspective. And I know when you think of the word paradigm and perspective, it's not so sophisticated. But let me just assure you that this is what is screamed at in the scriptures if you read it. This is what's in the word of God. And I believe it's going to change our lives. And, you know, I I even believe that what I'm about to preach is just even uh, a continuation of what I preached earlier in regards to overcoming hidden sexual sin. I believe one of the things that I couldn't share because I didn't have the time is that if you want to overcome hidden sexual sin, you have to first overcome an old mindset and step into the mindset that we see in the scriptures that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we are pursued by the Father. And that's the bridal paradigm. So we're going to go into that right now. Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 to 7. Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 to 7. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says this. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate, but you shall be called Hepzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hallelujah. Verse 6. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Amen. 
Let's just key in right there in verse 4 where it says, verse 5, excuse me, where it says, As a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. As a bridegroom rejoices over our bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Man, how many of you have ever been to a wedding before? You go to a wedding, and I love weddings. I think weddings are so awesome, don't you? Weddings are amazing. And let me ask you, what kind of emotions, what kind of feelings do we mark weddings? Joy, right? Like no one's at weddings depressed, you know? No one's at weddings. When you're at a wedding, you know, you you feel happy. You feel joyful. You feel thankful. And, you know, when the wedding begins, the bridegroom, the guy who's about to get married, he usually stands in the front with his groomsmen. He comes out first. And what is he doing? He waits for the bridegroom, bride, to to come through the doors, the bride. And then the music begins playing. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Um, Waits for the bride to come through the doors, and the music begins playing, and the bride comes in. And when I'm if when I'm part of the audience, one thing I like to do, and I bet we all kind of do it, you know, um, we 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 look at the bride and see the beauty of the bride coming forth, but we also look at the bridegroom, right? To see if like he's gonna cry, you know. It's like is he gonna cry, <laughs> you know? And um, and you know we just kind of like you know, you, just, you know we just we just take it in, um, you know. And um, but when you look at the face of the bridegroom, whether he is crying or or you know, his face, you know, one thing you notice his face is utter joy, like glory, like inexpressible happiness, tears. And it says in verse 5, in the same way that as a bridegroom rejoiced over his bride, like that's how our God rejoices over us. That's how God sees us, you guys. Like imagine the face of that bridegroom looking and just with adoration, with utter love towards his bride. How many of you know that's the way God sees us? He sees us in that kind of way. Um, And and even when you think about a bride coming through the, the door, you know, so many times I think we're just so caught up in an awareness of our sin that we're just overwhelmed by shame. We're, you know, we're overwhelmed by a sense of unworthiness. Like, we're supposed to be his bride, you know? But if we're to be honest, I feel oftentimes like we, we act like nothing, like anything but a bride at a wedding. You know, we, 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 you know like how many of you have ever been to a wedding where, uh, where the bride, as soon as the doors open, is like, <gasps> You know, hides behind the walls. Or as she's coming through, she's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Like, that would be really weird, wouldn't that? Because the bride, that's, that's her day. It's her day to shine. It's her day to, you know, be beautiful and just be glorious and be celebrated. And, and so you see the bride just, you know, she even slows down her pace <laughs> so that you, like, admire her. So like she's like, okay, let's get this over with. <laughs> you know? She's like, with, with, with her father, she's like, step one. <laughs> step two. <laughs> you know, it's like, step three. <laughs> you know, she, it's like, it's her moment, you know? She's proud, you know, and, 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 she's, and she's celebrating. Like, there's such dignity. There's such identity, you know? You know, I feel that's the way that, as a church, we're called to act, that we're called to walk, and that kind of freedom, and that kind of peace, and that kind of authority, and that kind of courage, and that kind of dignity. Not because, again, we're anything special, but it's because we have a Father, we have a God, who we have a bridegroom who loves us, who gave everything for us. Do you believe that the blood of Christ is costly? It's that blood that covers over us. It's that blood that gives us the, the, the gown that we wear. 
so that when we walk into the wedding, we don't have to be afraid of our sin and whatnot. Why? Because the blood of Christ was costly. It was worth it. The the blood of Christ is, is glorious, and it's that blood that ultimately clothes us in glory in the righteousness of Christ. Can I get an amen? You guys... I think that's just even so beautiful Beautiful when you think about that as a bride coming forth, having that kind of identity, having that kind of dignity. And just that bridegroom, the father, the bridegroom, Jesus, the son, just looking upon the bride with just that kind of love, that kind of rejoicing. That is the reality, and that is the truth of Christian life. But the sad thing is, instead of believing, verse 5, instead of believing this idea of a bridegroom rejoicing over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I believe that we have our own version of this that we live out. And if I were to tinker a bit, this is what I believe. If I were to kind of change verse 5. You know, um, sometimes I just feel like we look at God as like a disciplinarian. And, and you know, if we had our version of verse 5, it'd be like, as a school principal looks forward to dis- disciplining a student. So God looks forward to disciplining you. You know, we look at God as this austere, scowling God who loves us because he has to and just puts up with us. We have the serious view of God. But what I want to say tonight is that's not who God is. God is the happiest person you'll ever meet. God is not mad at you. What I want to say is God is glad. He is glad at you. Why? Because you've already been justified in him through Jesus Christ. Your salvation has been purchased. He sees across time. He knows the end of the story. And he knows that you're going to make it to the end. He is glad. He loves you and rejoices over you. You know, and some of you are like, well, can can you always be glad at me? You know, like, I I do sin. And, you know, and I know he has feelings and emotions. Can you always be glad at me? It's like this. Many times, I'm a big Brooklyn Nets fan. I'm a big NBA fan. Any Brooklyn Nets fans here? Okay, I'm by myself. <laughs> I'm a big Brooklyn Nets fan, uh, but honestly, I also am a big fan of just saving. It sounds so harsh. I'm saving my time, and so I, I don't like watching net games where they're gonna they lose, because you know it's like a whole emotional roller coaster. And I guess you know, and like, and when they lose, I'm just like, oh, I just wasted three hours watching that, and my heart has just been played with, and they just lost at the end, you know. And so what I do is I record. And during, my, um, during that time, I do something else more productive. And later, I check the score, you know, or I have someone check for me if they won or not. And if they won, then I go watch the game, <laughs> you know, while I'm jogging or running. Some of you go like, you're not a true fan. Uh, I don't know, but that, that's just, I guess maybe not. But, <laughs> but, you know, that's how I do things. And, uh, and, and those games that I know they won, I watch. And those games... Man, there are times where in the game, my, my, Nets, fan, my Nets team, they're playing and, and um, you know, they play well. But there are also times in the game where they play terribly. They, they, they make boneheaded plays. And, and there are times when they are down in the points. But here's the thing. I don't get mad or frustrated at the team during those moments. You know, I don't give up on the team or shut my TV up or throw my remote control, you know, across the room. Why? Because I know that they've already won the game. <laughs> I've already know they won the game. Some of you are like, where is he going with this? You know? Like, I know they've already won the game. And in fact, it just makes things more interesting, you know? It's like, how are they going to get out of this one? Woo! It's going to be a good game, you know? Like, I know they've already won the game. And so in the same way, you guys, I believe God is not surprised at our shortcomings, at our faults and our failures, at our brokenness. Some of you, like, in your relationship with God, you're like, I just, I sinned, I did this. God, can you believe that? 
you know and god's like yeah i already knew that you were going to do that a long time ago you know like every day, bible says that every day of our life was written in his book before and then came to be god is not surprised he's already gone ahead of you and the beautiful thing is he saved us with the promise to redeem us he's already seen the end result you guys god is not mad at us get that picture he's happy and he is glad amen god rejoices over us and you know in fact Rejoicing is even a light word. If you turn to Song of Songs, verses 6 to 5, it says, you know, turn your eyes away from me. They overwhelm me. This is, this is God speaking to the church. He's saying, turn your eyes away from me. They overwhelm me. You know, I, I just loved worship tonight, and JP was leading it, and, and we had that moment where we were just in spontaneous praise, and, and, and he was just, you know, um, he was just singing about how we move the heart of God. How many of you know that God is moved by us? God is moved by us. That's so important to realize, because I think what we struggle with is the, is the, is the, is the idea and the lie and deception that God is not moved by us. You know, unless we do something crazy. And even then, we can never satisfy more not. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says in Song of Songs, if you read that, if you study that book, he says that, if we, that when we just look at him, one glance of our eyes ravishes his heart. One glance. Just a little look that we give to God, and God's like, oh, don't look at me anymore. Ooh, that's, that's so good, so powerful. Oh, you know, like, the, he gets overwhelmed. You know, I remember one time um, I had a crush back in the day, um, you know, when I was, uh, you know, in college and there was this girl that I really liked and, uh, and I would just, I wouldn't know what to say when I was, or, you know, I just felt so nervous. So I'd be like, hey, 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 you know, I just be like, <laughs> you know, it was just hard being around her, you know, it's like, oh, and then, and then, and then, uh, and then when I, you know, usually you want to look at someone, you talk to them, but it's like, oh. You know, like, I don't want to look at you, you know, but, but when you look into her eyes, it's like, oh my gosh, oh, you know, it's like, it hurts. It's like, ow, you know, cause she's just so beautiful. It's so pretty. It's like a crime, you know, like, <laughs> Hey, don't awe me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When that guy looks at you with BTS, you know, <laughs> sing that song, you're like, oh, you know, or EXO or. I don't know, or the other K-pop group. You know exactly what I mean, all right? <laughs> you, go, you go scream like, ah! <laughs> you hyperventilate, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know exactly that feeling. You guys, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating or just being extra when I try to make this point that it's, in that, it's that exact same way that God reacts when we look at him. He does. We move his heart. You know? You know, God's like, turn your eyes away from me. They overwhelm me. Song of Songs, chapter 4, verses 9 says this. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. Man, with just one glance. With one glance. Man, isn't that such a liberating thing that we can come before God's presence and all we have to do is just look at him and that moves his heart. It makes a difference before the Lord when we spend time with God. You see, if you want to experience victory in your quiet times, if you want to begin to feel something in your quiet times, I think one thing that we just need to acknowledge and I think one thing we need to ingrain in our hearts is that by the very virtue of us spending time with God, although our feelings may not tell us uh, that, 
by the very virtue of our spending time with God, what the Word of God tells us that when we just even look at the Lord, when we just even glance at Him, He's already moved during that time. And when you know that you're moving God's heart, when you spend time in the Word, when you spend time with God, I'm telling you, it makes the biggest difference in your time with God, doesn't it? And it motivates you to want to spend more time with Him. You see, the struggle that we have is believing that we have the capacity to move anyone, in particular God. We have a little view of ourselves, and we think we're unworthy to love and move other people. You know, but what I'm learning is that God and His grace and, and His mercy, He is so unlike us because our mercy and our grace is finite, but God's mercy and grace is infinite. It's so infinite. So no matter how bad we think we are, no matter how ineffectual our attempts, you see, God loves it and He receives it with infinite grace. And He is moved by it in an infinite way, which should give us motivation, which should move us and stir us to even give Him more. Because God receives it even that much more. You may have heard illustrations like this before from people who are parents. I'm not a, I'm not a father yet, but I am an uncle. I'm an uncle. And, and I changed my wallpaper to a different picture. And this is not even the whole picture because it's just shrinking it because it's perspective mode right now. Okay, but if I were to show you the whole picture, you'd be like game over, okay? I'd be like ministry time right now, you know? You know, it's like... Her name is Eleanor. Oh, Eleanor, right? How many, I don't know any other Korean girl with the name Eleanor. I think it's just a beautiful, unique name. Um, Eleanor Joanna Kim, that's her name. And so I hold Eleanor in my hands. And her, her head is small enough to fit in my hand. You know, it's just like she's so tiny. And then when I feed her, you know, she looks at me. You know, and when she looks at me, I can't help but my heart be moved by that. It's like, oh, stop looking at me, you know? Oh. And here's the thing. Right now, Eleanor, she, she, she's still very young. She's just turning a month. Um, <laughs> you know, um, she, can't e- she can't even smile at this point, although she's kind of getting there. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. As she's growing and maturing... She, she is smiling, but unintentionally. You know, it's kind of just coming out, you know, like, eh, you know, <laughs> the smiles are kind of breaking out. But even when she does it unintentionally, even when it's these hidden moments that just happen, and I'm getting my phone ready because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I just want to catch those moments. You know, it's like, I get so shaken by that. You know, when you see that smile, it's like, oh, you know, it's just even the little, you know, it's like, oh, that's a million dollars. You know, and I take pictures, and my, and my brother and then my, my sister-in-law, they're like, please send the pictures over in our chat room, and, and, I, and I put that up. And you guys, in the same sort of way, we need to believe the truth that God, I'm going to say it, he is shooketh over us. You know, we, you know we, he, he is totally shaken by our love, by our affection, by our smiles. I'm not even sure if I'm using that word correctly. <laughs> but, man, God just, some of you are like, Please stop. (laughs) You guys, God is moved by us. And we need to believe that, that he's moved by us. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to foster any relationship with someone that you think is apathetic towards you. And that's what we feel in our times with God. You know? But I'm telling you right now to um, forget about your feelings. Forget about what you think about God yourself. And go by the facts. Go by the word of God that he is moved by you. You see, this bridal paradigm and just the love of God 
this is what, and just on this kind of level that he loves me, he pursues after me, that I'm his bride, and he is the bridegroom running hard after me. This is what really changed my life. You know, because it's only when you realize how much God is in love with you that you're able to fall back in love with God. It's only when you realize how much God is for you that you are able to be for God. It's only when you realize how passionate God is for you that you are able to grow in passion for God. You know? And so, this is so important that we understand the love of God. And we need to understand the love, especially in this, in this relationship where, he, you know, He is the bridegroom and we are the bride and He is pursuing after us. Touch two people around you and say, God is pursuing after you. Mm-hmm. We are his bride. We are his bride. And so check this out. In this passage, that's one through five. And then it says in six to seven, it says this. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. I don't know about you guys, but when I read verses six to six, six and seven, it just sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It's like watchmen on the walls. They never hold their peace day or night. Like they never get tired. They, they, you know, it says, you make mention of the Lord. Do not keep silent. It's like, well, I need to rest my voice sometimes. Like, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establish until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. You know, this passage is really talking about many things. But one of the things that it's talking about is talking about the art of prayer, the art of intercession, the art of manning the walls and crying out to God and, and, and just contending with the burdens of his heart to see heaven released on the earth but you know it's like the question is though like how do we grow in intercession how do we grow in that art of spending time with god of taking up a position on the wall which at times is tiring which at times is not pleasant like how do we do that how do we do that effectively how do we sustain ourselves long term and here in this passage what i love is that these two verses they follow after the understanding that we are his bride and not before you know, because I just feel like from, for, for, for the regular Christian understanding is that it's only when we intercede, it's only when we apply ourselves to devotions, it's only when we just go hard after God and, and things that we do, that all of a sudden we stand in the place of being his bride and being loved by him. If you do that, you're only going to burn yourself out real quick. Yeah. But what this passage tells us is that intercession devotions, all that stuff, it needs to flow out of this understanding that we are his bride and not the other way around. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's when you love. Why? It's because love is the most powerful thing. Lovers pay the cost and they delight in doing so if you're in love. There's this phrase that we say in IHOP culture quite many times. Lovers of God will always outwork workers of God. Any day, any time. Lovers of God will always outwork workers of God. Any day, any time. Lovers go the distance every single time. You know? And so, that's why it's so important that we need to understand ourselves as his bride and bridegroom. Because it's in this paradigm, it's in this relationship that we go deep in our love. And being loved by God, and being pursued by God, and loving him back. Understanding that God is my portion, but I'm also his portion. Having this relationship, lovers go the distance. Let me share a story. Um, let me share a story of a crush. 
a little later than when I was in high school, when I was in college. You know, this was when I was in seminary, <laughs> and um, and and this was uh, a sister that I used to serve it. I served with in worship ministry. I used to lead worship. She used to sing, um, and this was like one of the first times in my life. Doesn't make sense. One of the first. It, it was the first time in my life where I I, I like someone. And they like me back. <laughs> yeah. No shame. No shame. Um, and so you know what that feels like. You know, how many times have you experienced when someone likes you, but you don't necessarily hold the same feelings for them, but you wish you would because you want to be in a relationship? Like, ah, oh, you know. Or you like someone, but they don't necessarily feel the same way about you. And it's like, oh, you know, like how many of you guys experienced that? Are you on the whole JMS like in the back. Um, But you know, it was one of those few times where this beautiful sister of the Lord, wonderful heart, beautiful voice, amazing singer, you know, like I liked her and she liked me back. And I was like, this is amazing. You know? Um and so we were kind of still discerning and figuring out and praying about this relationship. It wasn't official yet. Um but, you know, we did spend a lot of time together just because we were in the same praise team. So I, I gave her rides home and things like that. And I remember on one ride home, she was telling me, some of you guys are like, ooh, Pastor Joel, you, <laughs> you know? Hey, I was not, look, it was just practicality, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, just listen, just listen, just listen. <laughs> You do get to know someone like that pretty well, though, I'll say. But, you know, as she was, as she was in the car and, you know, she was just sharing with me that, um, you know, I've always known about her that she loves Disney movies. And, and, and one, movie, one, one of her favorite Disney uh, 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 movies was The Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. And she was sharing with me that, and where I'm from, New York, uh, close to New York City, that um, at the Lincoln, um, uh, man, I'm forgetting, Lincoln Plaza. Is it Lincoln Plaza? Lincoln Center. Okay, Lincoln Center. I'm getting so, like, shaken over sharing this that I'm even forgetting what it's called. <laughs> Lincoln Center, um, she was sharing me that they were playing uh, an opera called Rizalka that just started. Have you guys ever heard of Rizalka? Anyone here? Okay. You guys are all so uncultured. <laughs> but, uh, but Rizalka, Rizalka. Just joking, just joking. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, Rizalka was, was actually the opera that inspired the cartoon Little Mermaid. So it's about a mermaid, um, that opera. And, and Rizalka was featuring a very famous soprano at that time. I think she's still pretty, pretty uh, famous. Her name is Renee Fleming. Have you guys ever heard of her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was the main part, Rizalka. And so um, my friend, um, you know, she was just like, oh, my goodness, I wish you can go see it. They're showing that. And she's like one of my favorite singers. Um, and so uh, as she was just sharing that, I was just like, okay. That's nice. That's nice. I was I was pretending not to care, you know. I was like, opera, whatever, you know. I was just like that. But how many of you know? Deep in my heart, I was taking notes. I'm like Rizalka, you know, Lincoln Center. Never been there before, but you know, I got to Google it now. You know, Lincoln Center. And um, and her birthday was coming up. Wow, you guys are really enjoying this. <laughs> And so uh, what I decided to do, I remember I was in seminary and I was in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, 
the community center and the seminary, and I was just eating. I was at a table, and um, and I and I looked up Lincoln Center, and I looked up the seating chart for Rosalka for that for uh, for a day, and I, and I thought in my mind, like, wouldn't it be crazy if I could just take her out to go watch Rosalka for her birthday, you know? But then I was struggling with it because I was like, man, we're not even in a relationship yet, you know? We we do have interest. I'm like, man, I think we're moving a little too. I'm moving a little too quick, um, and I just remember like as I was just. Just, you know, I was just browsing the seating chart, just being like, let me just check it out, you know. Well, let's check it out. And I was just looking at the seats, and, like, yeah, it's expensive, number one. <laughs> but I realized, like, man, I can get the ch- cheap seats, if I were to get seats on top, right in the, or I can go for orchestra right in the middle. <laughs> and I just remember thinking and just feeling really like, you know what? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I, I go cheap on a date. You know, like, I was just like, you know, like, yo, this is how I roll, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, I remember just, uh, just like clicking on two seats and then my friend came by, um, and she was just, uh, you know, um, she's just a friend, friend, fellow seminarian. She came by and I just wanted to ask her opinion because I was just like, man, is this weird? And I was like, Hey, I, I, you know, I kind of like someone and, you know, we're not like even in a relationship yet, but we kind of like each other. And I want to, I want to take her to this. Like, what do you think? Is that weird? And, you know, she should have said, Joel, like, you got to take it slow. All right. Like you, this is, you're moving too quick. You know, like be wise. You know, have you talked to your pastors about this? You know, she should have said that. But instead she was like, oh, (laughs) she was like. She was like, I think she'll feel very special. And then when I heard that, I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and uh, I ordered those two tickets. And, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. This is what am I doing right now? Those two tickets. And then here's the thing. Um, I got the tickets in the mail, you know. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not just going to give her the tickets and say happy birthday. But I went to CVS. And I went to the, the card section. I know CVS, right? I don't know any better, okay? I went to the card section, and I found a really cute Little Mermaid card <laughs> cut out. And so I, I opened it up, <laughs> and then I, I put the ticket, tickets in there, and I had it ready to give it to her for her birthday. And now, so, here's the, here's the thing. I began wondering, I began wondering in my, as I was doing all this, I'm like, I, I was thinking like, Joel, you're crazy. You're so crazy. Like, you're, you're, you're an idiot for doing this. You know, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And, um, and I was just like, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I just knew that deep in my heart, like, I just wanted to make her happy. You know, everything in me was for her and just, you know, just wanted to give everything for her. Um, and then in that moment, in that moment, I kid you not, this marked my life. I just felt like the lightning bolt of God just strike my heart. And here's the thing. I didn't feel the rebuke of God being like, Joel, you know, <laughs> you're crossing boundaries here, you know. I didn't feel any rebuke like that. But I felt, but here's what I heard from the Lord. I felt God was saying, Joel, do you know how, like, you're so for this girl? Everything, you know, you want her to be happy, you want her best, and you're going all out in everything that you're doing, you know, everything, you know, you know how you're so much for her? I was like, yeah, God. And I felt God was saying, that's how much I am for you. I'm trying to win your heart, 
And I am all for you. I love you. Everything I am is for you. Anything that will make you happy, I will do for you. Because I love you that much. You know, I wish I could say I cried there or anything. But I was like, oh, cool, okay. <laughs> you know? I, you know, I was just like, oh. <laughs> You want me to finish the story? What happened? <laughs> In other sermons, I actually don't finish the story. I just move on. And people are like, what? But I'll finish the story because there's, there's, it gets better. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and so um, I didn't actually give her the car and the tickets. I actually talked to her on the phone first. And we were just talking. And I was like, hey, um, I'm just going to call her Michelle. Okay. Hey, Michelle. Hey, um, yeah, you know that, that we were just talking, you know, catching up. We just, I was like, you know that opera that you really wanted to go see, Rizalka? She's like, yes. Yeah, well, um, guess what? What? I actually got two tickets, and I just wanted to treat you for your birthday to go and watch it. What do you think? And I was just like, but I, I, I could just see her on the other phone going, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Like, I could literally hear that. I was like, oh. And she got so excited. She was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go with you. In my heart, I was like, yes, you know. But, um, oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on, hold on. I felt like I wanted to talk with my, my, my pastors about it first. Okay? All right. Hey, you know. You should do that. You should talk to your pastors, okay? I, I, I want to talk to my pastor. And as we talked, and, you know, they celebrated the potential of a relationship. But they were like, yeah, Joel, maybe you're taking things a little too quick. And somehow, I just felt the grace of God to, to think and, ha- and have a conversation with Michelle and just be like, hey, you know what? Listen, you know, as much as, you know, we have these feelings, maybe this isn't the right thing to do right now in, our, in, in this relationship. And... and <laughs> I said that, literally. <laughs> and, and what I said was like, hey, I'm just going to give you the tickets and you can go with your friend. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to close this. I know it's a long story, but... um. Uh, <laughs> Um, what happens was they couldn't make it. Something came up and they couldn't even go. And so they gave me the tickets back. <laughs> but um, what was really cool was that I was able to take my mom out to go. With the opera. <laughs> all right. So all the guys are like, it's just getting worse and worse. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? Um, and here's the thing. It was a, it was a time... It was a very tough time when my dad was actually going through chemotherapy, uh, cancer, and he was struggling. My mom was just really struggling, and so I thought it would be a good night out. And so I remember taking her out to the city, and I was going to Lincoln Center for the first time. And as we were watching the opera, I just remember, um, it sounds really funny, but, you know, it's a very nature-like opera because it's about a mermaid. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember there was one scene where she was singing a beautiful area, you know, and it was almost like a praise song. And... And like, and she was singing it to the moon, and 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 the moon on the stage, it looked so real, looked so good. But um, but as I was just watching it, I don't know if I can really express this in my words, you guys. But as I was watching that and just hearing the aria, I I, I got this weird feeling that 
I, I, I thought I came to like, you know, bless my mom and whatnot. But as I was sitting there listening to this music, I felt like I could hear it was God singing over me. And I was looking at this moon. I felt it was God romancing my heart, you know, and just wooing me, you know. Like, it was the most beautiful thing. It was the most powerful thing, you guys. And so, um, oh man, that was a long story. But, but man, like, lovers go the distance. You know what I'm saying? Like, lovers go the distance. And if you find you're that you're in love with God, there's nothing that you wouldn't do for the Lord. That's why martyrs, like, how do they die for Christ? They die because they're so saturated. They're so empowered. They're so filled with love that, man, even dying, they, 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 they would die a thousand times. Do you guys know that um, that missionary to Korea, she, she died at a very young age. There's her tomb um, in, in Yangajin uh, Cemetery. And there's a famous quote. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where she said, if I had a thousand lives, I'd give it all to Korea. You know, like that's what love does, you guys. Love enables us to give, you know, go the distance, go far for God. And that comes in response because we understand and we taste God's love towards us. That he is madly, madly in love with us. That he chases after us. That he pursues us as a bridegroom pursue a bride. And I don't know if we've ever experienced being pursued by someone before. You know? And I wonder like, what we experience and disappointments that have come along with that. But I just want to share with us tonight that no matter what, you never have to fear of being alone. You never have to fear of being abandoned or forgotten. There is a God, no matter what you're going through in life, there is a Savior that is always pursuing you in every season, no matter what you're going through. Amen? He loves you. And he's chasing after you. And when we know that, and we know that our love empowers him, it changes everything. And that we can fall deeper in love with him. Amen. You guys, this is so important because, yeah, I want to preach on the importance of reading the Bible and whatnot. But listen, it's not going to do us any good to read the word of God unless we're motivated, unless we're stirred by love, unless we're compelled knowing who we are as his bride and wanting to respond from that kind of place. Amen? You're not called to be a student of God in the sense of just, or just, um, you know, a hired hand of God where you have to do this thing called religion, but you're called to be a bride. You're called to be deeply in love with God, with Christ. Yeah. Amen. Priestly, why don't you guys come on up? Some of you wonder, how can I keep this fire in my heart burning? Even from after this retreat, like, how can I keep the fire burning? You know, I was on my Facebook, and one of my heroes is a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. He's a very famous evangelist. He's retired now in Africa. He's preached the gospel to millions of people. And he put up a Facebook post where he says this. Let me read it for you. The, the setting, the heading is, How I Keep the Fire Burning. Uh, This is a question many people ask as I travel the world. The answer, I don't keep the fire burning. The fire keeps me burning. If we need to keep the fire burning, it is not God's fire. Only false fire that needs stoking up. Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29. The flame of the eternal spirit never flickers or diminishes. Moses saw the bush burning and not petering out. The undying flame leaped into Moses' heart and 1,400 years later rested on the heads of 120 first disciples on the day of Pentecost. And it burns on today as bright as ever, igniting the hearts of millions. The Lord's fire gives no burnouts. Pray about it. God bless you today. Reinhard Bonnke. (laughs) 
But you guys, here's the thing. It's not up to us to keep the fire burning. You're going to get so tired. It's God's fire that keeps us burning when we draw near to it. When we taste and experience His love. And we make things about Him. You know, um, in my ministry back home, a lot of people think that my ministry is going very well because I put up pictures of highlights. I mean, like, I don't put pictures where we're doing bad, you know, like, it's just awkward, right, if you do that. And so people assume, like, things are going so great back at home. But if I were to be honest, things are a little rough back at home, you know. To be quite honest, I love you guys, and there's a part of me that just wants to stay here with you guys and not go back. And there's another part of me that's like, I need to go back, you know, right away, because we got a lot of things to work on, we got things that are coming up. Um... And I just realized over the past few weeks how my heart has grown bitter towards the Lord. Has grown bitter towards God because I haven't seen God move in the ways that I wanted to see Him move in my ministry. You know, as I read the Bible and I'm seeing how God is for people, He's with people like Joseph, He's with people like that. I'm just like, God, why aren't you with me right now in this ministry? You know, aren't things supposed to be getting better? I'm giving you everything. You know, I I have not doing my quiet times. I'm on like a 54-day streak on my quiet times. I haven't broken it in more than two months. Like, I'm doing the right things, God. Why aren't you moving, God? Where are you? And I I, I got so angry. I got so bitter. And then... um. Last Saturday, a few Saturdays ago, I was with my youth students, and we were we were finishing up our year-long discipleship, and we were finishing it up by watching a documentary called Holy Ghost Reborn by a guy named Todd White. He's one of the main guys featured inside of it. Do you guys know who Todd White is? And as I was just watching him, and he was in Rome, he was getting filmed in Rome, and, and he was just, you could just tell from the way he was acting, the words he was saying, the way he was just ministering people, that here was a man madly in love with Jesus, who knew the love of Jesus in his own heart, and in response was madly in love with him. And through that example, through his example, and, and just watching the documentary, it began to dawn upon my heart that I've completely forgotten about Jesus, that I've fully, completely forgotten about my first love because my eyes were just so focused on ministry and why things were not happening in ministry and so I had to come to a place where I had to repent before God and being like God forgive me I'm so sorry that I've turned that I've neglected you and even my quiet times I just did it because I knew I had to do it it's not like I really wanted to do it at times but God would you bring me back to that place where Jesus you're everything to me God even if I lose my ministry even if I get fired from my church you know like whatever happens like I would still be okay I would still be full of joy why because God you're so amazing you're so incredible you're so lovely you're so beautiful that like hey Jesus just you and me we are good to go no matter what happens in my life you know And I just feel like tonight, that's what God wants to do. I just feel like He wants to bring us back to this place of being in love with Him. Knowing that we are loved by Him and being back in love with Him. That is the greatest thing. That is the greatest freedom that we can ever walk away from this retreat. It's from that place of love that you will find grace and supernatural freedom to shed off any sort of addiction, any sort of habits in your life, any sort of hang-ups. It's in that place of love that your passion and your hunger for the Word of God is going to skyrocket and you're going to want to read this. Like, you're going to want to read this during your break times. You're going to want to read this at night, in the morning, day and night. You're going to want to meditate it. It's in that place of love. You know? But I think we just need to understand and I think what God wants to do right now is just bring us back to that place of just knowing who we are in Him as His bride. You know? Understanding his love. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. And so um, let's pray.